0: Hello, welcome to the Better Outcome Show, where we explore the possibilities of a new healthcare. Each episode, we bring you a conversation with leaders across the healthcare industry, exploring topics ranging from new treatment techniques and interventions to novel service delivery methods and business models. And now your host, Rafi Salazar from Rehab U Practice Solutions, a leader in patient engagement and retention strategy. Let's explore the possibilities of a new healthcare.
1: Well, hey, hey, welcome to another episode of the Better Outcomes Show. I'm your host, Rafi Salazar from Rehab You Practice Solutions. This week on the show, this is what we're talking about. We are talking about HR and hiring, making hiring decisions, making decisions around team members and roles, how to choose the right roles and responsibility for the given team member based off their strengths or weaknesses and where we feel. They might excel at. I know as a clinician myself, moving into an area where now I'm making hiring decisions and uh, building a team, basically, building a culture at the clinic that I own and operate, it was something that they never really taught us at school. And you're making gut level decisions on potentially. Uh, things that could have major ramifications for patient engagement, patient experience, and retention, and all of all of that all of that that entails from a revenue side, from a business side, from a culture side. You know, I've written about, and I work with clients all the time who are trying to fill a leaky sieve, if you would. They're they're putting a lot of money and a lot of effort into. Uh, front-end lead generation and referral generation, referral building for their businesses. And when you look down at the real root of the problem, they're just leaking patients out of their bucket. They've got a hole in the bottom of the bucket, if you would. And it's causing revenue issues. It's calling, causing laxity in the schedule. Uh, clinicians aren't having the work they need to do. And sometimes it's entirely because of the team members that are underperforming or not excelling in their position where, where you have them. So my guest this week is a physician. His name is Dr. Mike Neal. He is the host of the Private Practice Profits podcast. He owns his own ophthalmology clinic, but what we're talking about is his venture called Build My Team. So this is a, a platform that basically, in his words, it takes all the guesswork out of the hiring process. So they use uh, statistics and science to make the best the best decisions or help you make the best hiring decisions you can when you're putting together your team so I'm excited to talk with you and to share this interview with you just because again at from folks that are that might be clinicians turned manager or clinicians turned administrator or clinicians turned clinic owner or operator um, this is one of those areas where you know They don't teach us a whole lot about in school but it has huge huge ramifications for the quality of care you're you're delivering at your clinic the engagement level of your patients and even the retention of employees and patients in the long run so without further ado here is dr mike neal uh, from practice profits and from build my team here to talk about scientific hiring processes
2: hey mike welcome to the show how are you I'm doing great today. Thank you for having me, Rafi.
1: Yeah, thanks for being here. For those who might not know you, just start off by telling us a little bit about yourself, uh, your practice, and kind of what you do now.
2: Sure. Well, I'll start off by saying I was born at a very early age. Would you (laughs) like me to fast forward a little bit? Yeah. All right. I'm a a practicing eye doctor um, in Northeastern Pennsylvania, rural area, and uh, practice with my wife. We've been in practice for about 20 years, a little over that now. And uh, a couple of years ago, I started a company called Build My Team. And this was all surrounding and and based on a process that I created where we could hire people without looking at resumes. It turns out it was so successful that um, in 2020, during all this COVID craziness, we replaced 20%, I'm sorry, 80% of our team and, and our net income and net profit for the practice shot way, way, way up. So that's the quick summary of uh, of what I've been up to.
1: Holy cow! Yeah. So then, I guess first, talk a little bit about um, hiring practices. A little bit. What you notice, kind of the run of the mill, what standard practices? Because you already said we're not going to be screening resumes, but I'm assuming that's what the, most of the people do, right?
2: They only do it because there's really no other way. Right. I mean, w- when you went through school, were you trained on how to bring uh, team members on in your practice?
1: <laughs> oh no, of course not. They were teaching us how not. to how to heal people, right?
2: <laughs> right. Exactly. Um, how to cope. I mean, just just all kinds of stuff. So what what I created was a way that um, we could do that. Now, here's why it's so effective. Um, let me flip back to the. Uh, from the doc standpoint or the practice owner standpoint, and uh, this this affects virtually all of us. We are drawn to healthcare because we like taking care of people. We're generally empathetic folks. The problem with that is empathy has absolutely no place in HR and especially in hiring. And I'll use this um, my wife as an example. She's um, she's an incredibly great clinician insanely loved by patients, incredibly um, empathetic, of course. So how successful do you think she is at hiring?
1: Well, if left to her own devices, probably <laughs> she'd hire everyone in the walks in the door, right?
2: Uh, I I jokingly and lovingly refer to it as hiring wounded puppies, <laughs> right? She, She wants to take care of people. She wants to genuinely help people get back on their feet um, help them excel in life, all those types of things. The, the problem with that is you can't get um, anything more than mediocrity out of most of those folks, okay? So this is a very um, kind of controversial approach. I'm not suggesting we hire everybody. In fact, it's the exact opposite. Uh, the system that, that I created goes the opposite way. We get as many applicants as we possibly can into our process and then we run them through a scientific assessment process this essentially removes empathy from the entire equation it's gone Um, now what happens when a doctor is not uh, focusing on trying to determine who's great who's terrible uh, out of a stack of resumes which is truly an impossible situation what instead happens is they can they select out of the, the superstars. So no more, I'll give you an example, um, interviews. I mean, when was the last time you brought somebody in? They're generally younger uh, age wise, very little experience. The resume doesn't say much of anything. When is the last time you got a tremendous amount of information out of them in an interview?
1: Well, I guess it depends on the way you interview, right? The kind of questions you're asking. But probably I would assume if they're younger, they're going to be a little nervous they're probably not going to share as much right or they get tongue tied
2: absolutely and all the above uh, i mean uh, that that's the issue that they face um, they are generally intimidated in an interview a, a doctor or a healthcare professional especially if it's the practice owner is interviewing them they really don't say much generally what we see is that the practice owner um, talks more about the practice and tries to sell them on the position versus learning more about them. And so you end up in a situation where you can't possibly be successful. You will only get great people by by slightly better than random chance. That's what we see um, hiring looking like in private practice in America.
1: Yeah. Well, <clears throat> tell me a little bit about, so you said something that kind of makes me, my my kind of flags go up here. So you said we're removing empathy out of HR, removing empathy out of the hiring process. Isn't that like a, a not a negative or a, what's the word I'm looking for? You're saying that peop, there are some people that we're only getting mediocrity out of. That's a, kind of a dull way to view the world, right? Or has, has that been like what you see, <laughs> see as the I, truth? And if it's oh, like, okay. is there any way to pull people out of that?
2: Absolutely. The, uh, as far as a dull way to view the world, the vast majority of people who apply for healthcare positions don't necessarily want to take care of people. Now stop and think about that for a second. The core reason they're applying is they want an incredibly stable job. They know that healthcare is going to be around no matter what, and if uh, that was a a strong requirement before COVID. Now, in a lot of places in the country, healthcare was one of the few industries allowed to to stay open during the pandemic. Um, the, The folks that are applying are looking for something different than what the practice owner thinks they're looking for. And so we acknowledge that. Um, there's nothing wrong with them applying for these positions. Of course, that's perfectly fine. And whether or not they, um, they're they a superstar for healthcare is immaterial to whether or not they're a fantastic person. We're looking for very specific um, strengths and talents that people bring to the table for healthcare, okay? Healthcare is... Um, at its core, purest principle, when you're in med school or or uh, in your training, you know most people think of healthcare as uh, as we just get to take care of people. They don't realize there's billing issues, there's HR issues, there's patients not understanding their insurance. There's an incredibly stressful um, average day for most people. Um, that's what private practice healthcare is. Uh, At its general core. So we recognize that and we bring people on who enjoy that type of situation, that naturally they are using their strengths and talents every single day. They they really don't think that it's much of a big deal, in fact.
1: Yeah. Well, that makes a a whole lot more sense. You're basically just saying it's a it's a mismatch expectations or even a mismatch skill set that you're trying to to avoid, right? Like there's some people that might be a great, I don't know office manager for a construction company or something like that, those skill sets don't transfer into being a front office manager for a healthcare practice, right?
2: Exactly. In fact, uh, (laughs) there's a Stephen Covey quote that I absolutely love. Um, Most people spend their whole lives climbing the ladder of success only to realize when they get to the top, the ladder has been leaning against the wrong wall. Yeah. Right. And, and so that I experienced this for the better part of two decades and stopped um, about three years ago and said, there has to be a better way. So I looked at how Disney was hiring, how um, uh, Ritz-Carlton, the Four Seasons, those types of organizations, how did they get such incredible customer service and took their approach um, customized it for healthcare, and that's essentially what build my team grew out of
1: yeah so it sounds like it's it's a little different right than uh, than the traditional way because even even hiring in my own small practice it's you know like you said they don't train us how to do this in school <laughs> no. so it is almost like you're poking around in the dark like oh, what question should i ask how should we do it all that kind of stuff right
2: Exactly. And what you realize when there's an alternative approach is that the interview and the resume process themselves are flawed. So for example, after, uh, in, in uh, our practice, when somebody gives their notice or uh, decides to move or they live with their parents, their parents move, whatever the reason might be when they leave, I don't have sweaty palms anymore <laughs> i'm not having an anxiety attack um what i realize is that as and as odd as this may sound i realize that when a person leaves it's essentially our opportunity to upgrade that person so here are the things that went really well with this person here are the things that need some room for improvement um this is a little bit um, like we'd like to go in a slightly different direction for this particular position. And then we make sure that when we're hiring fo- or when the, the candidates are applying, we make sure that those qualities that we're looking for are actually in that person. And that's all done through scientific assessments.
1: Okay. So is it AI, some kind of algorithm? How are you doing that?
2: Um, we have, I'll give you an example. So we first off measure their mindset. Um, the, most of people, as I said earlier, who apply for healthcare positions, they don't have a healthcare mindset. So we're looking for uh, um, essentially ten specific qualities of, about a person that constitute a healthcare mindset, meaning that they're they're going to be successful in healthcare. And we've all hired people who, you know, they look they're just fantastic in an interview. Everything's going great. They're humming along for the first couple of weeks and then maybe two or three months in, boom, they just up and leave. Um, That I would argue is because they don't have the proper healthcare mindset. It's just incongruent with who they are. So we start off with a mindset. Next thing we do is we measure their speed of learning. I mean, that's pretty obvious. We want folks who learn really quickly. Um, Think of a day, in healthcare, that you've had where nothing changed, <laughs> right? Exactly. We both just start laughing. It's it's not even baked into the equation, right? So the folks who join the healthcare team have to be able to learn quickly because it never stops. Um, we're also looking for really critical performance factors, like uh, are they warm and friendly with patients, or do they? Um, They follow procedures and policies constantly. Um, If they don't have those two qualities, how can they possibly be successful? You know, we're not looking for somebody who's going to reinvent the wheel every time they see a new patient. You can't do that. Um, I can't imagine what the charts would look like if somebody was doing things that inconsistently. So we're also looking for things like, can they handle extended routine? Um, Can they handle details and paperwork? Um, What's their follow-up like? Um, how about stress? I mean, stress, as I mentioned earlier, that's just enormous. And on the provider side, we're so indoctrinated to going to work, going, you know, going to the practice and not even realizing it. But for folks who um, haven't essentially dedicated their lives to caring for people, uh, stress is a big factor. So we're measuring all of that and making sure that, um, um, they have the qualities that we need before they're even recommended to the practice.
1: Yeah, no, that's great. I do want to back up and say, <clears throat> so you mentioned that when someone leaves, you don't get stressed about it. You'd look at it as an opportunity to upgrade that position.
2: Yeah, what a corny statement, right?
1: Well, yeah, but it it, I mean, the mindset is great. I have a feeling that there's, there's people listening that are like, how can he say that? It sounds like he just listed this long list. So you're already telling me that there are people that shouldn't fit here because they don't have the right mindset. And then you're laying out everything they need to do. It sounds like this list of potential candidates is getting smaller and smaller and smaller. So <laughs> talk to that a little yep. bit. Is there really a, a desert of, of good office staff or care coordinators or whatever we want to call them? Or is it really just a matter of reaching out and finding the right people?
2: Well, funny you should say that. I guess it would, uh, you know, my opinion is it depends on your mindset. We're not looking for people with experience. So right off the bat, um, that is a killer. If you are absolutely just hell bent on having somebody with experience, um, we can do that. However, it completely uh, narrows your options. I um, I have changed my tune on that and done a complete 180 since I started with the build my team process. We can get somebody up and running, a superstar up and running and productive in our practice in approximately seven days, it's seven wow. to eight days depending. And they're not gonna you know, run the place in seven to eight days, but they can become productive. And then um, what used to take us about a six month process is now down to six weeks, uh, reliably and I, as i said their productivity for most of the positions gets in and around seven days the reason being is that they're coming on board and they they just naturally learn quickly they enjoy what they're doing they have the mindset that they want to be able to do all of this um, and it's really just not a big deal for them they have the natural talents and strengths to be able to pull this off so when um when, when I'm talking in very quantitative terms about a human being like this, it, is it strange? Yes, definitely. However, we can quantify what these what folks are good at um, so accurately now that um, you know, essentially plug and play the people into these positions where they just naturally shine. And as far as the number of applicants, um, what our company does, it, just uh, some quick background is a practice would tell us what position they're looking to fill. We write the job description and the job descriptions are they're advertisements. I mean, they're designed to get a lot of applicants, which they do. Um, I think our most is something around 800 people down in the Atlanta area for a medical secretary. Not so many candidates yeah. we had. I mean, you're talking about probably three reams of paper if you had yeah. to print all that craziness. Um, so they go through our system, and then the the finalists are uh, are submitted to the practice. So what it ends up being is about a 97 percent somewhere in their rejection rate for most positions.
1: Oh wow! Okay.
2: Yeah, but it's also published the job ads published out to twenty two different job boards. So I mean, this I mean I don't know how long it would take to manually publish the twenty two different job yeah. boards, but I hope I never have to find net. out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. Okay. Oh, there's so much to go here. So you're, you're cat you're casting this very, very wide net. You're telling me mm-hmm. like, okay. So if you're if you're going off of needing, you know, two years in medical experience or whatever that whatever the canned job descriptions are, you're automatically limiting the the possibility of catching somebody who could be a superstar. They just Maybe they're fresh out of school. Maybe they're in a different career path. They're not in healthcare, but they would be a great, great fit to your business or to your practice. Um, how are you finding those people? If they're maybe they are looking for an office secretary position or something like that. If they if they maybe don't even know they should be in healthcare, or is that not even anything you're 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 coming up against? These people are casting well. a wide net themselves
2: they um, they're applying, like I said, primarily for the stability of the position. And that was the case before COVID. So yeah. I'll give you an example um, some examples from our practice. Our optician, the one one of the two uh, that handles glasses, um, she used to be a bartender. Our front desk person um, was uh, uh, she did music. She's got a master's in music. Um, Our technician, one of them used to work for a dental practice. So that's about as close to experience as you can have in, uh, but she's just fantastic. Um, We have another one who used to be a customer service manager at Kohl's. So retail, nothing to do with healthcare. Um, We have one who's a student. Uh, We have another one who, um, uh, she was actually our, Front desk person. This was years ago, and she 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 was really not great at it. She was terrible, in fact. I could say um, <laughs> she couldn't collect money from patients. So we've all on the doc side. This is a bit of a nightmare. But she couldn't collect money. And after we did, we ran her through the Build My Team assessments. What we found is that she was so high in empathy. That she she, she wouldn't collect me money. Ask, huh? Yeah, right. I mean, if a person uh, rolled into our practice driving a Ferrari and said they couldn't afford a ten dollars copay, she was fine with that. <laughs> so, uh, what we ended up doing is changing her position to a patient coordinator, and now she books all of our patients for surgery or referrals. And this woman is phenomenal at her job. Um, She takes every patient as if they're her own uh, family member and makes sure that they get incredible care. Um, Out of the hundreds of people we've sent for um, referral care, you're looking at over 99% actually show up and go through with the care. Oh, wow. It's off the charts. Um, But again, she was uh, in a position that was asking her to be somebody she's not so we moved her into a position that she's just naturally good at and she's just perfect for it i wouldn't change a thing
1: yeah which is almost like that idea of you get somebody in you find their right seat on the bus right like i would almost think that that's from a from an organizational standpoint when i think about the val- the true value that that i as an owner i as an administrator bring to the team Like Mm -hmm. that's it, right? Like making sure your team is humming along smoothly, that people are in the right roles, that everybody is is functioning or performing at their best, wouldn't you say?
2: That's exactly it. However, you're never going to get to that point if you're not bringing the right people on in the first place.
1: Yes. Okay. So
2: uh, look at the sports analogy. You've got, um, I mean, I'm a, a big hockey fan. So let's say, for example, you've got all these hockey players or NBA players, um, and the coach is always responsible for the performance of the team. Well, that's great. But let's back up for a second. How many terrible hockey players or terrible basketball players are there in the NBA and NHL? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, my guess would be none. Yeah. Or they wouldn't get to that level. <laughs> exactly. Right? So on the healthcare side of things, if we bring these superstars in and we create a team where um all or almost all are high performers, you wouldn't believe the outcomes you can get in your practice. You simply wouldn't believe it.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. Now I do want to talk about this. So you you mentioned it kind of in passing. But I think this is this is kind of where our our expertise aligns or intersects, if you would. So a lot mm-hmm. of the work that I do is patient engagement, patient retention, making sure patients are showing up to their appointments, that they're you know they're engaged, actively engaged in their in their course of care. And you said something about this office uh, front office person that you moved to a care coordinator position, and now you've got what ninety nine plus percent of patients showing up to their referrals. And that really does speak to the importance of how your team, not just your processes or your marketing or whatever at your practice works, but really how your team functions that affects those numbers. So talk a little bit about that then, like how your team is affecting patient engagement, patient experience, all of that, all of the above.
2: Well, right off the bat, I'm uh, by no means a genius or or rock star or anything like that. I think I'm mostly lazier than other practitioners are. Um, I want the team to be able to to you know show up for work in the morning, excited about what they're doing and excited about helping people. Um, you know, I constantly remind them of the lives we get to change in eye care. And if somebody doesn't believe that, just kind of close your eyes and go about your day. Um, when when the team comes in, uh, I want them to be able to, uh, you know, to naturally do their job throughout the day, help these folks and provide an outstanding experience. So I'll give you an example. Um, our our music master's degree front desk person, she's an absolute ninja. Uh, she can do three things at once, um, is incredible at what she does. And she's providing a terrific experience for the patients. Um, The reason she has a smile on her face almost constantly, she's not struggling with the intricacies of her job, right? It comes naturally to her. So she's not thinking in terms of, oh man, that phone's ringing again. (laughs) Well, she's got a patient in front of her or anything along those lines. It just comes naturally to her. So she doesn't even realize She's providing a terrific experience. Um, she's just being herself, right? Yeah. So, w- what I would always suggest to a uh, a practice owner: try staying in a Ritz Carlton or a Four Seasons hotel. Um, go to Disney. Spend the extra bucks on the, uh, you know, the the behind or the private type tour. Those types of things. You will be blown away by how incredible the service is. Um, In fact, um, my wife and I were invited to a wedding years ago. We stayed at a Four Seasons out in Maui for a week, believe it or not. This was back when we were just getting out of school. We had to sell both kidneys uh, in order (laughs) to get out there. And it was incredible. Um, By the end of that week, and I counted, we had over fifty five zero staff members greeting us by name. Good morning, Dr. Neil. Good morning. Uh, good afternoon all those types of things and i don't at the time i didn't realize that customer service was possible at that level i didn't know it existed so not only can it be done but um, you're only ever going to get to higher level patient engagement and patient satisfaction if you have team members that just don't even realize that what they're doing is special
1: yeah it's true. They're just being themselves, like you said. That's that's right. actually funny. So the the lady that runs my front office, we call her our, our office care coordinator. She was mm-hmm. a probation officer for, for 20 plus years. Oh, wow. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Retired, was looking for something else. Now she's with us. And I mean, the patients love her. She's always, mm-hmm. I think she is. When we're, when I'm in the back office to maybe seeing a patient or doing something like in a treatment room or something like that, I can hear her laughing and carrying on with the patients. It's amazing. And it is one of those things like she's just being herself, right? right? Right. Patients love it. They're coming back. They call, they ask for her by name. Okay. I want to talk to Stephanie or whatever, you know, like it's great. And it is one of those things like if you were just screening based off of experience in healthcare or some of these, like you said, these things on resumes, I probably would have never found her. Right. <laughs>
2: Absolutely. I mean, I don't want some grizzled uh, person off The Simpsons uh, in our practice. I mean, I, I don't want any cartoon character like that. Um, since we've, we've replaced so many of our team members with these superstars from Build My Team, um, we get compliments now. I mean, when I'm in the exam room, what was uncommon, if not you know, bordering on virtually never happened, is now routine. Oh, Nick was fantastic. He's you know, he's so great to work with. Cheyenne is terrific. Um, You know, Courtney is so efficient. She's great. That's what I'm hearing on a routine basis. And every single time a patient says that I just fire the the tech um, or whoever our staff member is a quick email and and compliment them. Uh, They just shine. I mean, they just light up hearing that.
1: Yeah. Well, I think that speaks to the kind of the next part. So building you know, you're, you're talking about hiring and building your team, bringing the right people on board, but kind of developing this culture requires more than just getting them in the door, right?
2: It does. And what you find out in a real big hurry is that A players don't like to work with B players. Um, they'll tolerate them. And an A player will not work with the C player. Either the C player goes, or the A player goes, but they will not voluntarily or in any other way work with folks like that. Superstars love people who perform. And so the the natural, I mean, I can't tell you how long we tried to turn the culture around um, at the practice. We were going, again, we were leaning the ladder up against the wrong wall. What we had to do instead was replace 80% of our team members. We stopped hiring with this empathetic approach and we started hiring in a quantitative scientific way um which is shocking cuz everybody who's listening to this is quantitative and and scientific yeah. by by nature in, in healthcare um but we started doing that and the culture shifted on its own it was the natural evolution and advancement of bringing these people in
1: yeah well and how about maybe somebody that was a uh an average, do you notice someone might have been an average performer just because of who they are working with end up getting a bump in their productivity or bump in their efficiency because now they're working with somebody else? Like, do you notice some of that happening too? like the 20% saw, that you capped?
2: Yeah, we saw that once um, and by, it wasn't 20% just, I mean, all all for one type thing. It happened yeah. over the course of uh, about nine months um, that happened only once. What happened far more is that the mediocre people that we had, they left, they couldn't handle it because um, you know these, these new superstars would come in and all of a sudden from the ownership side of things we're like, oh my goodness, I can't believe that one person can do that much. That's what I thought that a person who's really good should be able to do, but I haven't seen it before type thing. So we ended up, believe it or not, with fewer people, higher productivity, and what I can only describe as about a 95% more enjoyable place to work. Um, It's fun now, and it wasn't before. And I think in, uh, oh gee, I mean, in healthcare, we so many times forget that we can make this fun. I mean, um, not only is it such a positive experience for the patient, the, the outcome is terrific. And the more fun that we can have along the way, uh, just the better everything is. The more magnetic your practice is to patients. But boy, oh boy, how, how are you supposed to have fun at work when you're struggling, or when you're going to work and you've got some some Debbie Downer, or nervous Nellie, or who knows what your your uh, Facing at work. I don't want to be around those people. Um, and I've I've been lucky enough and blessed enough to be able to find amazing team members where now we spend the the time conversing and uh, just joking. You know, we're cracking each other up. Um, we've got two team members who like they they think it's just hilarious to sneak up on each other. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's such a bizarre thing. Um, but that's the type of, of fun and, and cultural shift that we've experienced um, by bringing in different people, the right people.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's great. It's scare fun to go to work again. Yeah. And that's yeah. what you want, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, Our- you don't scare each other in the hallway because they see each other coming. Got, <laughs> they're far more creative at that
1: okay. They've got to be more sneaky.
2: <laughs> <laughs> they've uh, they've upped their game, that's for sure. <laughs>
1: All right. Well, tell me about then practical things that maybe it's questions in an interview. Are you pulling these people in for an interview? I'm assuming after they've run through your system. So like I'm assuming there's if they if you get to the interview part, there's got to be some kind of structure, right? Some some kind of a series of either questions or uh, ping points that you're wanting to look for in somebody that comes into your office for an interview. What would some of those be?
2: Well, here's the thing: we already know they'd be successful in the practice before they come in for an interview. Okay. So that's not a question. The uh, our assessment process and workflow has has that figured out. So not only are we doing the um, the scientific assessment, we also do a video interview of the person before they come in. It's it's a one-way video interview, so there's no intimidation or anything like that by the interviewer. It, it it's, uh, it's unique and it works incredibly well. So before they come in, we've checked that box that this is a person who um, we're not only excited about, but we know can do the job. What we're looking for when we bring them in for a physical interview, um, we primarily Walk them through the practice, show them all of the different things that they can do, and you know one of the main things is to make sure they realize what they're getting into. So, if for any reason—and this very, very rarely happens—if um, for any reason they don't want to work in the practice, I want to know that before we've done uh, you know a nickel worth of paperwork on them. Yeah. <laughs> before they join the team, I do not want to know that six weeks in. So again, we're we're approaching this from a, a different level of confidence, right? I'm not worried if they don't want to work there. That's a terrific thing to find out. I'll jump for joy if they uh, leave in the, you know, in the first discussion. And again, that rarely happens, but we're approaching this from more of a talent certainty standpoint. So I'm certain that they have the talents necessary. Let's get to know them a little bit in the interview so it's not an interview it's just a discussion we just talk the conversation goes where it goes Um, we want to know you know what excites them what gets them out of bed in the morning do they uh, um, do they have dogs cats pets Um, uh, they like sports whatever they decide to talk about and most of them will tell you life stories all kinds of things We're, we're trying to get a sense of who this person is outside of of work, what they, um, you know, what level of excitement and passion they have the potential to bring to this or to other things. Um, When a person has that level of passion with the talents and strengths, oh boy, I mean, that's where the magic is made. So that's basically what we're we're doing in an interview.
1: Yeah. So you already know they're going to do well. It's just a matter of, are they going to do well in this practice or with these people, right?
2: right? Yeah and um you know the right seats on the bus it's so critical but you can't you can't get to the right seats on the bus when you haven't even left the bus station you know and then back it up even further you might even not know where the bus station is and that's mm. where m- most practices are right now um they're just hiring people who need in this <laughs> in this example they need transportation <laughs> yeah <laughs> i mean we don't we don't want that. We want folks who know exactly um, that that between us and them, we know that they're in the right seat on that bus.
1: Yeah. So have there been times then where you've hired somebody, or you've maybe you've brought somebody in on a you, like you know they're they're a great fit for this organization, maybe culturally you know they're going to perform well because of your the process you went through to make sure they came in on an interview, and then you know three months in you like. Removing your seat on the bus.
2: Oh, sure. It happens. Uh, but that's not something we tell them. It's a consultation, a discussion. Uh-huh. So this happened. Uh, it's funny you see this. This happened yesterday in the practice. We have a person who she's more of a behind the scenes type person. So we thought um, incredibly great worker, absolutely terrific. She likes to work um, making glasses mm-hmm. essentially. And we had an opportunity, um, needing some extra help on the other side, the clinical side. So, of course, we just asked if she'd be interested and she jumped at the opportunity. Um, Now we have a person who just volunteered to be cross trained and she's already terrific at one aspect of the job. Um, She was kind of observing, if you will, uh, yesterday afternoon on the clinical side. And she was just stoked about it. Absolutely. Super excited about learning all this new stuff, uh, more opportunity, et cetera. And the whole time the practice is thinking, well, this is absolutely amazing. We're going to have her up and running even faster than we would normally. Um, and there's no risk. We already know, know who this person is. If it if for any reason she doesn't enjoy the the clinical side, she's right back to working in the in the optical, which is great. So we you know, and that type of um, situation, and even sometimes for new people, we will will bring them in for the position that we're hiring for, but we are always 100% open-minded. Is that the best use of their talents? What ends up happening is you've got um, most of the people who are applying have no clue what they're good at. They say they do. The resume... Um, <laughs> Like that doesn't all a resume does is tell you what they failed at in the past, almost all the time. Okay, if they were great at it, they'd still be at that job and they'd be loving it. Um, So they really don't have any clue what they're good at. We essentially know that more than them. And then uh, it comes out in the discussions, in the interviews and such. So let's say, for example, if we have an open position on the clinical side or on the, the optometry the optical side or anything along those lines, we just basically know they will be a superstar at both because they have all the qualifications, I'm sorry, all the strengths and talents that we need, but which would they absolutely love? That's the key. You put them in, if there's two positions, one they like and one they love, go for the one they love, you'll have more success with them than you could possibly imagine.
1: Yeah, okay, great. Um, while well, we're getting near the top here, is there, I always ask this question. I love it because it kind of distills what you, what, you know, if you could give our <laughs> listeners just one or two main points that you would want them to consider before they go and hit post on, I don't know, ZipRecruiter or wherever they're going to be trying to find somebody, what would they be?
2: Well, The process that they're using right now will only produce the results that they're used to getting. It's the definition of insanity. I mean, doing the same thing over and over again, but expecting a different result. Our process created that different result and it reliably and consistently gets the results that I'm describing around North America because we're doing it completely differently than what they're used to. So, I mean, we're not for everybody, I understand that but if you've absolutely had it, you're stressed up to your eyeballs, you just don't enjoy hiring at all, then um, pick up the phone or send us an email and we'd be happy to help here at Build My Team.
1: Yeah, that's great, which leads into my final question. Where can people find out about you, Build My Team, and all of that good stuff?
2: Yep, easy, Uh, www.buildmyteam.com. And uh, what most practices like to do is just set up a, a free consultation. Um, one of our team members will hop on and, and listen to uh, the unique items about your practice, um, what the what type of person or people you're looking for, and then tell you how our approach would um, uh, either work for you or extremely well or not work. Uh, we're not interested in working with folks where. Uh, we don't think it would be a good fit. Just like we profile all of our candidates to make sure they're successful, we essentially are looking for something similar with um, uh, client practices that we can help. And so when we decide to work together, um, the stage is completely set for success.
1: Awesome, cool deal. Well, Mike, thanks for taking the time.
2: And thank you so much for having me. You you asked some incredibly intelligent questions. You kept me on my toes here.
1: It's okay. <laughs> good to hear. All right. Well, have a good one.
2: Awesome. Thank you very much.
1: Well, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Mike Neal, Dr. Mike Neal, talking about how we can be a little bit more intentional about hiring practices and even building our team and our culture at our clinic, how we're distributing roles and responsibilities amongst team members in a way that can help maximize patient engagement, improve the quality of care and the level of service that we deliver at our clinics. And one of the things that now listening back to this this interview after you know, after a couple months of doing it and listening to edit it, one of the things that Dr. Mike said that kind of resonates with me, just because I'm working through this right now with, with a couple of things is he says, you know, a players don't like to play with B players and you want to build a culture that self selects out of those, right? You want, you want a culture at your clinic that those who are inclined to underperform or those that who are not a fit culturally, Will self-select out either in the hiring process, hopefully in the hiring process, but sometimes it happens while they're, you know, after they've become a team member, after they're part of the team and working in the clinic. You would rather those happen, those self selections out happen sooner rather than later, so that you can move on and kind of build the team that you want. I was hearing somebody talk the other day. I think it was it was David Baker from uh, Recourses talking about the culture at a firm. Now he consults for, for creative firms, but the the principle stays pretty general, I would think across all industries, but you want the culture at your facility or at your organization to really be like an immune system, if you would, to your, to your business in that, the culture of your facility and your organization should be such that people that are not right fits don't stick around long because if you have a culture that is weak or you have a culture that, um, isn't truly defined, you get whoever comes in the door. That's, you know, a warm body filling the job or punching a clock or whatever it is, you're going to end up with some underperformance in some area and usually, large issues arise from it, whether it be in the healthcare space, patient engagement suffers or patient experience suffers, or operationally, where you have somebody that maybe should have not been in the position that they're in and now they're, they're causing a problem for you later down the line. So, you really want to build a strong culture, be very firm about those values. Those drivers that you are not going to, those lines in the sand, if you would, because what's going to happen is as your team grows, as you end up adding headcount to your clinic, to your facility, whether it be support staff or clinical staff, you want that culture to be there to be the immune system for your business that you need it to be. You want people that are natural, good fits in the culture that believe in either your philosophy of care or your process of care. To really thrive and flourish there, and you want the people that don't see the same vision or don't catch that vision to self-select out sooner rather than later. Af- not after you've spent, you know, time and energy investing in in them and training them for you know process of care that they ultimately aren't gonna follow or believe in, right? So, anyways, it was an interesting conversation. I like having. Uh, talks with folks that are clinicians that are that are running businesses as well as doing something similar or something you know on the side that's kind of a infrastructure play if you would on their current clinic or business and that's you know build my team is a great example of that so anyways that's all i've got to say on that topic Um, i hope you found the episode useful insightful If you would like to learn more about the show, you can head on over to www.betteroutcomes.show. You can sign up there for the subscription list and we'll send you an email whenever we drop an episode. It's usually every other Wednesday. Sometimes we'll throw a bonus interview in or a bonus episode on the off weeks. Um, If you liked the show, it would really mean a lot. If you went to iTunes, left us a rating interview, it helps people find the show. And if you own, operate administer or manage a healthcare facility, healthcare system, or a a healthcare clinic private practice, and you want a system that helps you bring in more patients, retain them throughout their course of care, and create uniquely impactful patient experiences, then I would encourage you to check out our process, the Ultimate Patient Experience Blueprint, Mastering the Patient Relationship Cycle. So as we know, happy, satisfied patients are the lifeblood of any practice, clinic, or health system. It's what ensures patients show up to their appointments, that they're engaged during treatment, and even that they refer their friends, neighbors, dog walkers, whatever, <laughs> back to your clinic and your services. But achieving this kind of positive patient experience takes a lot of planning, it takes being intentional, and it takes hard work. Um, Through the program, the Ultimate Patient Experience Blueprint, we help you craft a strategy to deliver amazing patient experiences in your clinics at all levels of the patient relationship cycle. Basically, what we try to do is we do uh, a diagnostic and positioning exercise with you where we kind of hone in on your purpose, your mission, your values. We move on to patient relationship mapping where we identify specific messaging points based off your ideal patient or referral source using a biopsychosocial approach, and then considering their, their stage, if you would, in the patient relationship cycle as it relates to your business and their interaction with your clinic. We then move on to strategies for lead generation and patient retention and process of care strategies. And then we talk about process and value, so developing defined standard processes relating to implementing everything that we do on the first three phases. Um, if you want to learn more about that process, you can head on over to www.rehabupracticesolutions.com UPE. That's rehab, the letter U, practicesolutions.com slash UPE. Or you can shoot us an email at support at rehabupracticesolutions.com. Until the next time, guys, be safe, be healthy. I will talk to you then.
0: Thanks for listening to the Better Outcomes Show, where we explore the possibilities of a new healthcare. Our hope is that you walk away from each episode informed, equipped, and empowered to push the boundaries in your own practice or business. We want to give you the tools to help you build strong, long-lasting relationships with your patients and clients, helping meet their goals, improve their health, and achieve better outcomes. Learn more at www.com. RehabYouPracticeSolutions dot We'll catch you on the next episode.